Growing up in Puerto Rico, Luis Gerard spent his youth in the projection room of his father's small art house movie theater, where he earned an appreciation for independent cinema. Now, while studying at the University of Puerto Rico, his first success, a 35mm black and white silent short that was an official selection at this prestigious Venice Film Festival. Now, branching into advertising, Luis has won numerous international awards, including Cannes, London International Festival, the New York Film Festival, Clio Awards, The Gun Report, and Shots Magazine. But in 2022, Luis Gerard directed the second unit on Netflix's Hustle, starring Adam Sadler, and released his new short film, The Wake, which is our subject today. The Wake is a story of a 15-year-old boy and his deaf younger brother, raised in the parents' funeral home, and while the parents operate the family business, the boys have something else in mind. Well, The Wake has been Oscar-qualified for the upcoming 2024 Academy Awards, so ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome writer, director, producer, and master storyteller, Luis Gerard, to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for such a kind intro introduction. Uh, you're Bye. very welcome. I've got to ask you something. Where in the world did you get the idea for The Wake? Oh, that's a very good question. You know, um, sometimes I come up with these ideas that I don't really know where they come from. Um, I mean, my, my, the first thought was um, just these two boys that just take advantage of people, people's funerals. And while they're home and families are present at the funeral or the wake, uh, they just break into their homes. So that was kind of like the premise. I thought, oh, there's, there could be an interesting story there, which I thought would be not a short. I thought it would be a feature. Um, and But I didn't really write it. it. It just like loomed in my mind for a while. And then then one day just started, I decided to put it on paper and just took a life of its own. I literally wrote it in one day. So, um, and and then I shelved it for a while and then a couple, few years later, I shot it. Well, have you ever written a dramatic thriller film before? I I have. Recently, I, I started writing again. I used to write a lot as a kid. Um, and, you know, for a while, I thought it was, or, you know, to be honest, I, I was kind of told that maybe it was a waste of time. So I kind of stopped writing for a long time. And then... Um, and then I got into, I, into the commercial world and also kind of like by accident. And I didn't write for a very long time. And it wasn't really until the pandemic that I really took writing again. Uh, and since then, I've written two screenplays, uh, full, like, like full feature screenplays um, and another short and then there's there are two other screenplays that are one it's almost finished so that would be the third and so i've been writing a lot i've been i've been writing a lot that, that was one good thing that came out of the pandemic i was about to say sometimes just that uh, lockdown and slowdown for all of us uh kind of helped us to either correct course or put us on a new course or get us back to maybe our first love. And for you, maybe that was writing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's true. Because even, even in advertising, I, there's like, I really, I, I've been thinking about that. I, there's like a, some work, probably the work that I'm 
the proudest of that I, I do lots of writing in it as well. So I'm not just a director for hire. I, so I do, I do, I do love the process of writing and, and creating something, a story that, that didn't exist. And sometimes even not knowing where, where it came from. Wow. Well, I have to tell you something. This is probably going to surprise you because I, I really loved The Wake because it brought back a lot of memories. Uh, I grew up in a family-owned funeral home myself. Oh, wow. Two of them. That's, that's... So I can relate to everything in your magnificent film, except we weren't allowed to see the bodies while they were being prepared for viewing because my dad was a funeral director, but back in the day, especially in small towns, some funeral homes actually acted uh, as not only the funeral home, but they were also the ambulance service. So if there was ever an emergency, we didn't have paramedics back in the day. So you had two guys jump into a station wagon with a bunch of lights on top and, and a gurney in the back rushing to an emergency. And their deal was is to put them on the gurney, give them oxygen, and hopefully they survive when they get to the hospital. So I know what it, I know what it was like living living in those family owned funeral homes. That's that's very interesting. You know, like when I was um, when I was looking for locations, the film was shot in Canada. Um, I remember when I was like doing the search, location scouting, and, and obviously we went to lots of different funeral homes. I remember meeting uh, a gentleman, um, um, you know, obviously, uh, the truth is he wasn't very interested in, in, in allowing us to shoot in his funeral home, but um, he did want to know a little bit about what the story was about, and he asked me some questions. And kind of like yourself, he, he grew up in one. He was a funeral director, but him and his brother grew up in a funeral home. And, and now, you know, he told me a little bit about his childhood. And, and it, I mean, not that he broke into people's homes, but, um, but uh, it, it did resemble a little some things of the story, for sure. Well, what made you choose a family-owned funeral home as part of the foundation of the story? Well, initially, initially, when I first thought about it, the, the kids, the brothers, uh, did not did not live in a funeral home. Um, they just lived in the neighborhood, um, and one of the brothers was not deaf in the original concept either. Uh, but that was before I started writing. It was kind of like when it was in my head; it was floating in my head. And then at one point, I thought, well. If they live in the funeral home, there could be there could be another aspect of the story that could add some depth to it because they growing up in this environment. How how does that change you, influence you? Um, obviously, because they live in the house, they also know it, it. Also, work for the story make a lot of sense because they live in the house, so they know when a funeral is taking place. They they can see the people arrive, so they know. The coast is clear to do what they what they are, um, what they want to do. Um, so, so I think once I, I that idea came about, that's when when I when I started writing it. Well, what is the significance of having one of the characters uh, deaf? So that, that's an interesting question. Um, 
to to be honest, um, I, I wrote the script in 2016. So I wrote it a, a while ago, um, and for for years it was like in just on my laptop. Um, but um, I when when I wrote it, I told you I wrote it in one day, and and as I start writing the script, the screenplay, um, I wrote it as 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 a, a kid who was not deaf. And when I got to the last act of the film, The Last House, I just came up with the idea. I was like, wait, what if he's deaf? It, it just worked perfectly with what happens in the house. So I immediately went back. And, and not only that, I, I, I remember thinking, oh, and that would be very interesting because you never really see a, 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 a deaf character as one of your leads. So I, I thought that would make it like a, a really fresh story like something like um that you didn't see very often so i wrote that way and you know and then you know when the movie came out movies like coda and and a few others um had had uh one of the characters being deaf or 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 deafness was a much bigger part of the story um um but yeah when i came up with the story and wrote it it, it wasn't uh but it just took me years to 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 get it done well i i i'm kind of glad that you made the younger brother at least one of the characters deaf because it really adds uh, a whole new element to the story and i and i can see that you know if productions were would add in a deaf character it really changes certain scenes of a movie and and in a way adds a whole brand new element or it adds uh, a possible uh, plot twist to a story. Of course, of course. Of course. Yeah. And that, that's what was interesting about it because I thought basically I had I had probably written three quarters of it. Um, and as I'm writing that scene in the in the last house, that's when I thought, oh, but what if I changed it? And then it, I, the whole movie played in my head, and I thought, oh, it's, it would be way more interesting if it was way if it was like that and then i just finished it like like that and then went back to the other scenes that i had written and changed them uh so it wasn't like a major fix um obviously i didn't know what i the the complications that would create later on (laughs) when one thing is when you write something on, on paper and then one thing is to um trying to get them made but i'm i don't regret it i think it was it was the the best decision on many levels it, uh, it was, but it was quite organic. It, it was, and it, uh, and now what? You know, I've I've watched it probably two or three times, and there, I and I wouldn't change a thing about it because oh, it's you. it's done so well. But the character, um, he's he, all right. The actor's name is Xander Colbeck Bola, and yeah. I understand that he comes from a deaf family. But I read somewhere that the whole crew actually learned a sign language for him. Well, the the reality is, um, Sander, um, his mom is is also um, deaf, and um, he had kind of like Coda, kind of like the the family in Coda. There, the, the, I think he had four brothers, one sis, two sisters, and two brothers. So there there are five kids in the house. Um, and they are all deaf. 
except for um, except for for the younger sister, who is the only in the family who can who can hear. Um, I was quite impressed. I think one the one thing that uh, was extremely insightful because. Sander had never acted before. Um, he had never been in front of the camera, so that always that always made me a little bit nervous. Um, and once I casted him in the film, I still wanted to have a shot, uh, like another shot. And he lived like two hours away from, or two and a half hours away from, from 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 Toronto. So I remember we drove to their home one night, and and I I met with with him and his mom and his dad, his father, I forget to, forgot to say, his father uh, was deaf from one ear, but and, but could hear from the other, so I could speak to that. So his father was the person that uh, translated. But um, I was fascinated. It was like, uh, it was such uh, um, a light, just being there and seeing how they communicated and interacted that that night, you know, like and and those things that I that I saw, I did add in the, to the script to the script, like when they tap on the floor, when they switch the lights on and off. These are things that I saw when the mom would try to call one of the kids and stomp on the floor, switch the lights on and off, and and those little things. Um, uh, were amazing to see because obviously I had never interacted that much with people from the deaf community. So it was quite a learning experience for me as well. Um, and, and in some ways, just being there that night um, made the movie better, uh, in my opinion. Well, did the, 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 the actor who played the older brother, did he have to learn sign a language? He did. He did. He did. And, and yeah, that was one of your main questions him as well as the as as well as the mom and 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 Gary who plays the father they had to learn eventually i decided to take uh Gary's lines off cuz i thought for for dramatical reasons i thought it worked better if he always spoke rather than than do sign language because he's like a little as you you've seen the film a, a few times so so you know what i mean his, his character is a little bit more detached and, and not as present as the mom. So I thought that would be a, an interesting way to highlight that point. So I, I, I changed that aspect, but he did prepare. And, and when we did rehearsals, they, they learn. And especially I'm, I'm very proud um, with um, Isaac, who plays uh, the older brother, because he, he wasn't a professional actor either. And, and, and I was always a little... I was a little scared that of being a 15-year-old boy who was not a professional actor, like, would he take the, the role serious? Would he study on his own? Which he did. Um, so, 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 yeah, they, they, they took it seriously. They took it, I, I think they took it as if it was a, a much bigger project than, than it was. Um, and, 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 yeah, they did learn. They did le learn sign language. Well, you know the uh, the older brother, for being a first time in front of the camera, he did a fantastic job. I, I agree. I'm 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 extremely proud. I I always I told him you're the best decision I made in while making this movie, uh, because um, 
he, I mean, the movie really revolves around his character and the relationship, of course, between the two brothers. Um, and, and it's not, it's a very demanding role. I mean, and considering it's a short film and it's an ambitious, ambitious film, um, um, it is quite demanding, not only because he had to learn sign language and it involved a lot of rehearsals, uh, it also, um, it's quite physical. There's like, he has to cycle a lot and run and, you know, but sometimes he like, he, he, I remember one time when he was doing that, that bike scene in the opening of the film, like one of the pedals came off and he just fell off the bike and he just like, I was like scared. Oh my goodness. And he just like got up. Okay, let's go again. Let's do it again. So he was like, uh, he was amazing. It was a, a great decision. They both were, but obviously his role was, I think, more demanding. It definitely was because he was really the lead character in this film, and be for his character, his uh, being a Walt. His name's Walter as the character in the film. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, he plays the oldest son, but he seems to lack empathy towards those who lost a loved one. So the families that are coming in to the funeral home, um, he just really didn't care he just thought hey they're dead they don't need their stuff anymore uh can you explain that attitude yeah there's a bit of a sociopath in in him that's true um you could say that um for the the way for him growing up in a funeral home obviously you were telling me that you you grew up in one um the way i envisage the character and the way i I wanted to play, I wanted him to play the role was someone that for him, death wasn't a big deal. He, he's grown, he grew up around it. Uh, he's used to seeing people die. He's seen his father uh, in some ways benefit from the dead, you know, like he, he profits from it, not because he's happy that people pass away, but he has a business around it. So the relationship although it, because it's a it's a short film so you cannot go too deep I, I think i was trying to say so many things in the short but just like just like the relationship between the two brothers is important the relationship between the father and the son is probably even more important uh because you see there's the tension between them you can see that in some ways he, the father, he doesn't want to do what his father does, but he is becoming his father. And there are little moments, like remember, if you remember that scene when uh, he kind of criticizes his dad because his dad drinks, et cetera. But at the same time, when, when you see him break into a house, they, they, they take a sip out of a, a, a bottle of alcohol. You see them in the bridge smoking. So even though he doesn't want to be his dad and he doesn't want to do what he, his dad wants him to do, which is eventually take care of the business, he is becoming his dad without him knowing it. Um, so for, so, and that, that is also reflected in the fact that, yeah, his dad runs a business that revolves about uh, around death and benefits from it. So he kind of does the same thing and he doesn't see it. He doesn't, in his mind, see it as a bad thing because for him, these people have no need for these things anymore. Um, so I'm not condoning it. It's just that character's point of view. Well, yeah, because I got I got his attitude. I mean, living in a small town, you're the son of a funeral director, but boredom always equals, or many times can equal mischief. 
course. And yeah. so I got, I got his attitude in the film. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't at that point because he was older living in a funeral home where I was younger living in a funeral home. We were just told you don't go in this room. You don't go on this floor. And, uh, so there were areas that we were, that were off limits to where Walter, when he walked in, when his father was preparing, uh, one of the bodies for the funeral, you know, like we weren't allowed to do that. You know, that was completely off limits, but because he was older and his father wanted him to be, be part of the business and learn it and then one day take over. But I understand he didn't want to have anything to do it, do with it. I know I didn't want to have anything to do with it, but I didn't think it was a weird deal when I was growing up. I mean, you're in high school and, you know, people knew your dad was, was a funeral director. I didn't think it was a big deal. You know, yeah. and uh, and and I was in a small town as well. But in your film, and I want to be really careful not to give the vital parts of the film away because everyone needs to see this film. But because um, I want to keep the element of surprise for those who haven't seen it yet, I noticed that you use death in different ways in the film. There was the funeral home. Um, which family-owned funeral homes uh, today? That's a they're a dying breed. So yeah. you know they're not common as they once were. Then Walter, he sees no future in a small town and has no interest in being a funeral director. But it is death that lures Walter, who lures his own brother into his activities, which is stealing from the deceased. So I'm not going to say how it ends, but I saw that death begins and ends and the living, when they lose someone, can become the walking dead. What are your thoughts? Did I get it right? <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. You did. You did. That definitely does does play a, a, a big part in the film. Um, it's hard to talk about it without like spoiling it too much. Um, so, but it is, it, it is definitely, it is, it, and obviously death is, is a big part of, of the story and how, how, how these kids perceive, perceive it. And, and, and the fact that they, like, as you said, they're in a small town where he, he doesn't see a future and he wants to like, you know, like it's pretty normal that kids want to do exactly the opposite of what their parents do, especially at that that age where they're like a bit more rebellious. Um, so that's something that it's obviously a big part of his character. So for him, it's like, he's dying by being there and he's just trying to find a way to, to, to entertain himself. And eventually perhaps what he's doing is a, is a path to getting him out of there. Yeah. You know, the, I, and I'm not, and I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it literally caught me by surprise. Because I, you know, and I could see this as a full feature film. And, and I'm like, wow, what an incredible twist. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Because for me, I didn't see it coming. So the transition, you know, through the film and getting to that point, it's a total surprise to everybody. And brilliant writing 
thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That, I have to admit, yeah, that, that was, um, obviously it was intentional. Like when you're doing a short film, you want to keep, I, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to achieve many different things with the story. I wanted to get into different, different subject matters. Um, probably was very ambitious. The, the amount of things that I, that I wanted to communicate in such a limited amount of time. Um, and, but I also wanted, 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 wanted intentionally from the very beginning to let the audience know that it was an exercise in storytelling. Obviously for me, that's, and that's why you, you do short films. Um, and from the very beginning, I wanted to let the audience know there's something, something, something bad has happened or is going to happen. Uh, and, and it keeps you tense. And it was like, let's see if people can figure it out. So, and, they, and I'm giving them 23 minutes to figure it out. Uh, but the, from, the, from the opening frame, you know, okay, it's something is not right. And the movie, even, even, even in the moments that are, that are not, um, when there's no tension, uh, there's nothing wrong going on. There's always tension throughout the film from beginning to end. And that, that was deliberate. Um, you know, even, even, I mean, there are moments of levity, like obviously when the brothers are interacting in the woods or in the bridge, there, there are those little moments. Uh, but for the most part, even in those moments, you feel their, the tension. So, and I always wonder, well, you know, I'm, I'm being so obvious from the very beginning and intentionally that, yeah, it's like all this. Yeah, tension. but it's it's an intense film. I mean, it is a thriller. Yeah. Um, you know, I heard somebody kind of use the word. They use the word horror, and I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not horror. This is a thriller. There's, it's suspense, but there's yeah. a moment in the film that I kind of I when I watched it, I paused it and I was like. Huh. I wonder if anybody's going to notice. So I'm not I'm not going to talk about the ending at all. But <laughs> remember when Walter, Walter, he he's hiding under that bed, and that older man comes in and sits down and he starts weeping. Was that the sign for Walter? to somehow gain empathy back? Uh, well, you know, with, with film, what's, what, what I love about movies is that you can, um, you can do something, you can come with an idea, and then there is no wrong interpretation. There is no, I'm, I, and, and that's what I find fascinating about film. I, I think you're, you're, you're coming up with a story and or whether it's a painting, whatever piece of art you're, you're, you're creating and you put it out there. Yeah. You have an idea and there, there's, there's some things you want to say, but um, there's that, the, the viewer's point of view that I, I think is as important because they bring their own experience. They see it from a particular angle, that particular moment, um, was it, that was not the intent behind that moment uh the intent really was 
you know, uh, obviously there's something happening at, at that particular moment and you think that he's going to get caught and then this man all of a sudden like starts crying and and that catches him off guard because, yeah, he was not expecting that. Um, and and obviously he's under so much tension um, that he he's not processing it um, the way that you have processed it. But I, but, but I don't think it's a wrong reader at all. Yeah, and I think that's a great thing about film is that the audience can interpret different scenes in their own way. And, yeah. you know, from that point to the rest of the film, I mean, all I can say, wow. I mean, everybody needs to see The Wake because this is probably one of my favorite short films that I've seen. And it's, it's one of the few thriller uh, short films that I've seen but it is absolutely magnificent. Now, who did the cinematography of the film? Uh, uh, Chris Mabley, um, a, a photographer and, and cinematographer in Canada, uh, who was a big part of the film because he uh, we had we hadn't really had a, a trajectory of working together. We had only done one thing together, um, and during that one project, I I told him that I wanted to do like I wanted to get back to narrative and. And I wanted to like do a short film, and that's when he said, "Is there something that you you've written that we could do here in Canada?" And and I was like, "Well, I, I wrote this short film a few years ago that takes place in the U.S., but I think we could do it here." And then he, he asked me to read it, and and he really liked it, and he was like, "I want to help you make it," and he was a, a, an instrumental part in getting the movie made because he he also became like a producer, like. He, he tried to like pull favors because obviously he was local and, and I wasn't. So, so he called friends, uh, people who donated equipment. So he was, he was instrumental in, in getting this movie made probably without him, I would not have made it. Um, so, and he did a, a great job as, as a cinematographer as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the camera shots, a, yeah, the camera shots have a very emotional feel to them. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm a big, I love visual storytelling, and that was actually another thing that I that I was that I wanted to do um, was I love telling stories with as little dialogue as possible because I think that's when when you see you know when, when I did my first short film I did not study film that that short film you mentioned that went to to Venice um, and I was here in Puerto Rico and. A friend of mine, I was not studying film and I didn't really think I would be a filmmaker, but I always loved film because I grew up in a movie theater. Um, and I, there were times in my life, I still remember when I was in high school and our history teacher was asking every classmate, like, what would you, what would you want to study? What do you want? And everybody was, oh, I want to be a, an accountant oh, or a lawyer or an engineer. And then I remember I said film. I was 16 and I said film and she laughed. So, you know, growing up in Puerto Rico, you just don't see filmmakers. You don't see, you don't really, I didn't, I didn't have an example. So it didn't, it never felt like a realistic career path. And, and I had this friend um, in, in college who, first year of college, he was like, we were walking around and he said, why don't we do a short film? And it, it, I'll never forget it because he was not into film. He was a musician. He was a singer. Um, 
And he was, he triggered it. And, and a few months later, we were shooting this short film that eventually made it to Venice. But where the, the reason I, I went down that rabbit hole is because um, I told my dad, hey, I'm thinking about doing a short film. And he, he gave me uh, very good advice. He said, if you're going to do a short film, do something without dialogue to see if you have the ability to tell a story. And I think that was the, great, the, the greatest advice um, he gave me because, yeah, my first short film is a silent short film. Um, and, and, and I kind of like wanted, you know, I've done a variety, I've done, I did another short film right, uh, right after Venice. Uh, which was the opposite. It was all dialogue. It was, uh, which I, I, I liked it too, but it was more like a, a, in a confessional in church, in a church. Um, and it was, it, I wanted to do the opposite exercise of what my first short film had been, which was black and white and no dialogue. So the second one was color and lots of dialogue. And this one, I just wanted to make, it was more ambitious, but it was. It's, there's very little dialogue in the film. Actually, the the you you've seen the festival version, which is 23 minutes, uh, but the 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 main film because and it's finished. It's 30 minutes, uh, and then you know a friend recommended you know if you if you want the movie to go to festivals, try to cut it down to 22 minutes with credits because at that length it's going to be hard to get it accepted in a lot of festivals. So, and it was COVID, so, and it's obviously a darker subject. So, so, so they said it, it, you know, you're not, it's not like a current subject matter. So it'll be hard to get it to festivals. So I, after I had the movie finished, I went back and I called my editor. I think that I've, I've been given this advice to cut it down to 22 minutes. Um, and I hadn't submitted it to any festival yet. Um, so it was kind of painful because I knew there was truth in the, in the advice and, and, and we cut it down to, we couldn't get it down to 22 minutes. I, I thought I was sacrificing too much, but it went down to 23 and a half, which is what, what you've seen. Yeah, it's, it's excellent. I wouldn't change a thing, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, where would the other six and a half or seven minutes be? But I don't think it needs it. I mean, it, literally, it's one of my favorite ones of the year. And I do agree with your assessment of making your first short film and making it with no dialogue. I have seen a few this year where there is no dialogue or extremely limited dialogue because I love the way the camera tells the story or the actors that are not saying anything. Maybe it's just facial expressions tells the story and it is more powerful to do it that way and to do that as your first film and then to get recognized like that that's phenomenal yeah, no thank you i think it's yeah it's, it's a great because it's cinema so it's a, it's a visual um art form or medium so it really like you said sometimes uh i think i remember reading uh or watching an interview, I think it was a Harrison Ford interview. I don't remember very well, but they were talking about this scene where he sees all this dialogue and he looks at it and he tells the director, I can do this with a look. <laughs> like, and they just cut all that dialogue. And, and it's true. Sometimes it's like a facial expression can communicate so much more. Um, it's not theater. Uh, and, you know, the atmosphere and, and where the cameras plays, the lens scene, 
all of that are like huge components of, of the story and, and, and the feel that you want to you, you transmit uh, with, with, with the movie. Um, so I, I love that. It's not that I want to make every film without dialogue, but even you see the scenes with dialogue, like the, the, the parents at the, that dinner scene. You know, there's all, the moments of dialogue probably, I'm sorry, the moments without dialogue probably say more than the moments with dialogue, like the opening of the scene and all the silence. And so, so I do, I do love those, those aspects of, um, of storytelling. Yeah. Cause I mean, making a film, it's going to be, and I've, and I've said this numerous times, 50% of the, 50% of it's the actors, 50% is going to be the cinematography, the camera movement. And camera placement, so it all—it's all there to tell the story. But for you, what is your most favorite film of all time? Uh, you'd be surprised. It'd probably be—that's a hard one to say. But I—I I normally say Cinema Paradiso. Really? Uh, yeah, Cinema Paradiso. But it, it's a—I think it's a movie that it's—it's uh, very close to my heart because it's a little boy that grows grows up in a cinema in the projection room in the in the projecting booth. Um, and you know, it, it, it's not his grandfather, the projectionist, but you know, my grandfather was the one that, that ran my, my, my dad's cinema. Um, so, it, and, and that little boy eventually becomes a director in, in the movie. Um, so in, and it's a movie that I watch at my dad's cinema. I actually played that movie as, uh, you know, as a kid. So, so I, I think, um, uh, that movie is very close to my heart, but I, I have so many movies that I that I love that it, it's it's almost like an impossible, an impossible question to answer. But that's the one that comes to mind first, uh, because it's 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 definitely a very personal movie. Well, yeah, because for you, it's 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 truly life imitating art, and uh, to see yourself in you know as if you were that little boy. Uh, I just, that's, a, that is one of the best answers I've ever heard. And, uh, you know, for you, Louise, how does it feel to see your film, The Wake, Oscar qualified? You know, it's, um, it's, it's amazing. Obviously, it, it, it's amazing. Obviously, it's not nominated, but, but just, just, just connecting the word with the film. It's, it's a bit surreal. So uh, on one hand, it, it, I say it's amazing. On the other hand, I try not to think so much about it because I don't, you know, uh, um, you know, I, you know, when you make a movie, you don't make it with that goal in mind. Um, but, you know, the fact that it, it gets there, that the fact that it's won at, at festivals, uh, it's won best life action short at, at, at various film festivals and it, it's played at, at a different different festivals in different parts of the world that 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 it's quite amazing like uh, being present unfortunately i haven't been able to travel with the movie as much as i wanted but the times that i have done it it's it's quite it's quite a feeling to be to sit in in a cinema that's full of people that you don't know and doing it starts the way it starts as you know uh, that that's a that's an incredible feeling well, what are some of the reactions are you getting from the film? Um, the one, no, I, for the most part, um, and when I've been to film festivals um, and I've, I've had to like, 
stand up in front of the crowd with a, with a microphone and, and do a Q&A. Um, it's, 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 it's always an interesting feeling. Um, uh, the, the, the reaction for the most part has, has been pretty positive. It's been, it's been, it's been good. Um, and people tend to ask a lot about the relationship between the brothers, that it looks very authentic. And, and they always tend to ask, like, how, how did that come about? How did I? Um, that's one question that I've been asked several times. Like, how, 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 how does it look so genuine? Um, and because, you know, the reality is that, yeah, they're like different age. If one is 15, the other one is 10. So in reality, kids that age would not spend time together. They wouldn't hang out in school unless they were related. And and then you have the other uh, complexity, which one is a member of the deaf community, and so it's very. It was it, creating that bond um, was a matter of me basically, like having them spend time during prep. They, I would send them to like skate rooms together, so they would really bond. Um, and we spent we spent. I can't remember the amount of weeks we spent uh, doing rehearsals, but all of that definitely uh, helped. You see, you see it in the in, on on the screen, um, and that's one re, that's one thing that um, that I am the, probably the proudest, and and that people have reacted or responded to with their questions at at, at you know Q and A's uh, in, in in the cinema. Yeah, um, I mean the relationship between the brothers is absolutely authentic. I mean, if you really look at them, you're almost kind of wondering if they're actually kin to one another. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's true. And, you know, maybe I was so close to it that I honestly, I, watching the movie, spending weeks in the editing room, I, I, um, I uh, you know, just you just lose track of those things. So when you hear people that have never seen it um, react that way, um, it is it is quite special because it was an objective, but you're not really sure if it, if it was achieved, you know. So um, that that's that's quite a feeling, you know. At the same time, I have to admit it, it's it's a, it's a, there's a darkness around the story. It's not like it's not a feel good story, uh, as you know. So it, it is. I I also feel that when I watch it, you know, because even even. Even when uh, when it plays in film festivals, I'm like always. Uh, I, I'm wondering what what's are they going to clap? It's just kind of like you know, it's not like it's not it's not the most optimistic uh, movie uh, out there. So, um, but however, yeah, despite that, uh, people have responded well to it. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, it's it's got yeah, it's got a uh, it's got a, a very dark. A dark feeling to it, but we can't have all warm and fuzzy films all the time. There has to be, you know, ones that come out like this one. But I love the fact that even though it's dark, there is a surprise, and that is just the magic of filmmaking. Um, and I love the fact that, and I love even I love short films more than I do features, and and I, I love the fact that with a short film. When there is a a twist or a surprise uh, that the audience is not expecting, and this one is literally uh, perfectly perfectly done. 
thank you thank you that that's um that's that's amazing to hear well what's next for you well uh at the moment um so i wrote a screen i wrote as i was saying earlier wrote two screenplays uh uh one during the pandemic that i that i really love um called we're only the devil bears um and then I wrote one uh, that I finished in April of this year. Um, and that one has gotten a lot of traction. And there's like a, uh, some like big producers involved. And, and, and they are trying to get the movie made next year. So that's that's kind of like a, an ongoing thing right now obviously there's like a right there was well the writer strike is done but the actor strike is still there but but um it's it's i'm getting on calls um, almost on a weekly basis and trying to like adjust the scene the budget and trying they're trying to hit a number right now so um so that's been an interesting very interesting process uh and that's probably the the one thing that's that that might be next. I hope. Um, and I'm also working on another short film um, that I might do if 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 for some reason the other if the film delays, I might I might just do this um, this other short called Ashes and Snow, which is kind of based on a on a script that I wrote when I was in college and I never got it made and. And and I thought, well, if I never got it made as a feature, like why not do it as a short? Uh, because I wrote the screenplay when I was in college, um, and that was kind of like the last the last thing I wrote um, up until now that I've kind of like started writing again. Wow, that I well, I can't wait to see uh, some of your next work. And ladies and gentlemen. Luis Gerard's short film, The Wake, is what I call storytelling at its best. But then comes Christopher Malby's brilliant cinematography to bring, well, death to life and back again. And maybe I'm a bit partial to Luis's film because I grew up in two funeral homes when I was a kid, running around empty coffins, climbing on top of all the hearses in the garage, but never realizing that people coming through the doors... We're saying their last goodbyes. But The Wake is a gripping short, tale, short film that will grab your soul. A film very well deserved to be Oscar qualified. And I want to thank you, Luis, for sharing your film with us today. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. And, and I'm, fl I'm glad that you liked it so much. Oh, and absolutely. Thank you for Again, all the good questions. <laughs> well, you're very welcome for that. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can catch all the replays of our interviews with the top film directors like Luis Gerard, producers and screenwriters, actors and more on our YouTube channel, Bond on Cinema. And we are available on over a dozen audio platforms as well. And again, when you have the opportunity to see The Wake, you've got to make it. you got to make time to see this short film because you never know. Here shortly, it could be shortlisted and could be nominated for an Academy Award. I love this film, and I want to thank all of you for watching and listening. And as for me, I'll see you at the movies.